by Killing Time Productions. Don't forget to check out our other show on the network, The War Room, starring me and my two co-hosts, Trevor Truitt and Cameron Frizzell. It is now time for The Rolling Stones, Episode 3, The Conclusion. going on ladies and gentlemen i'm your host jared cornelius welcome back to the arc of rock episode three of the rolling stones and today we're gonna wrap it up um we got 10 albums to go over and uh i'm gonna go over it a la carte there's plenty i could sit here and like look i know it's been a while since my last episode okay um it's a lot of research and it's a solo ran project okay so quit busting my balls so much all right i can only do so much but anyway um, I'd like to say thank you for sticking with me throughout this time. Um, at the end of the episode, I will reveal who I am going to be covering next. Um, I've done a lot of uh, thinking about how the show was ran and everything, so I'm not going to try to do this in some kind of chronological order. I'm going to do it. I mean, I, I am, but I'm not. I'm not going to like, because there's no way to do it. I'm doing it the way that I think it matters. So, you know, it's not like you have to do the Rolling Stones first, but in my world, you do. Some people think you have to do the Beatles first. I don't. I might not cover them for a while, honestly, because, like, I'm, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to sit here and say that I hate the Beatles. Okay, let's let's get one thing straight. I respect them, and I think they're a great band, and I really enjoy the music they made when they started doing drugs and, like, got away from their record. And as, as crass as it sounds, I mean, like, that silver, like, Maxwell's Silver Hammer and all that bullshit when they were all dressed up like milkmen, I, I'm not down with that. So, like, I know I've said it many times, but that's, like, a huge reason why I'm doing the Rolling Stones. Um, to me, in, in the form of rock and roll that I like, they are the root of it. Unless you go back to blues and everything before, but like as far as rock and roll in its purest form, it's got to be, it's these guys. And so that's how I'm going to go forward with this. I am going to do bands that I want. Like I'm going to do them in order to get to a certain point and then we'll go back forward. Because I'm like, what I've noticed is doing a lot of research for this is that I cover a lot of like smaller known, like famous bands while covering you know these like all these bands intertwine but like that's why i'm trying not to spend too much time researching because like ron wood basically his biography all of his biographies say fuck his childhood doesn't matter mostly because of how young he was whenever he got in the music scene which who that's who we're going to be covering like i got a little bit to read and then we're going to go through their music with him in the band but um that's like i i don't want to spend i don't want this to sound like it's a fucking lecture or anything okay you are supposed to be learning i do think of myself as a teacher but you can call me master okay you don't have to call me teacher but um master will do just fine i am the master of rock and roll and its art and it's uh in all of its forms so <laughs> but moving forward um i just i just i don't want this to become something that you would learn sitting at a desk in a school. I want this to be like, you know, you were talking to me and asking me about it, and I'm gonna, I'm just gonna tell you what I know. You know what I mean? But I am still gonna, I still am dedicated to listening to every album that the band has out. That, uh, the band I'm covering, I will listen to every single one of their songs and albums. Um, and I've stayed true to that. The Rolling Stones got a lot of music in their catalog, people. I mean, like, I think we've already covered... We've definitely covered 
over 10. I think we're at, we're going to start with their 13th album here in a little bit, but um, they have so much music in their catalog. I just think it's incredible whenever you uh, really sit back and you and I've li- and I've listened and I've dissected all of it. I've already proclaimed that my favorite albums that came out by the Rolling Stones were our last episodes uh Mick Taylor era episodes. I really think those are my favorite. And um but I will say this, Brian Jones, it's great. It's not my personal favorite, but it is really good. And but the guy we're covering today Mick Taylor took the Rolling Stones to another level as far as musical ability and um, just like the song structure became more dynamic and unique and uh, it made the band better around him because, you know, the Rolling Stones, they don't do anything crazy. It's just, it's just they do so much with how little they use, if that makes any sense. Like how a lot of people say one country singer, all three songs are in, all of his songs are in the same three chords. Well, there's only so many chords, okay? Like you can, it's someone's ability to use those same chords and create something different. It's hard, it's, but it's, it's part of the art form of music is... Uh, being able to do the same thing different, if that makes sense. And the Rolling Stones are a great example of that. I mean, you can see that in future bands. The Rolling Stones were very experimental, but I think Ron Wood, who's who we're going over to like, mostly today, whenever he joined the band, he really did bring the Rolling Stones from like lead-oriented rock to more rhythmic groove, which I mean, I love. It's that's the essence of music is rhythm. And they brought he brought it back because he's just a rhythm guy. He, do, he doesn't want to do with two minute solo. Keith is plenty good at that, and Keith's a great rhythm guitar player too. But Ron Wood is just like he's one of those guys that doesn't have to be an like being an impressive lead guitar player in order like to impress you. Like he his rhythms are great. He's an old school blues style player. He played with some incredible musical acts as a young man. Um, before he joined the Rolling Stones. And might I add, before going forward, Ron Wood has been in the Rolling Stones since 1975. He has done solo work, but he has been a permanent member. He's been the longest-standing second guitar player to Keith Richards in the band history. So um, let's get into it. So... After the departure of guitarist Mick Taylor in 1974, the Rolling Stones were once again in need of a replacement at guitarist, but this time, they already had a backup in mind. Like I said in uh, last episode, um, during uh, Keith Richards and Mick Jagger's time on the run as tax exiles and everything, hopping from country to country, uh, they started hanging out with Ron Wood. Um, at his home and getting really close with him and realizing, like, I really like playing with this guy, especially Keith and Ron got really close, which is, you know, got to be difficult as the other guitar player to see another, your your guy talking to another guy. You know, it's very it's very sensual in a way. It's very uh, romantic if you think about it. It could break your heart, honestly. I mean, Mick Taylor walked up and said, I'm leaving, I'm done. And then he just fucking walked out and never saw him again and just talked shit from his home. But anyway... It was no secret that the members of the Rolling Stones had become extremely close with with newly solo artist Ronnie Wood. Hell, the Rolling Stones liked him so much, he's been a member ever since. Before we get into the music the Rolling Stones would make with Ronnie Wood, let's meet the artist. So, Ron Wood led an incredible life. God, allergies are kicking my fucking ass. Oh, Oh, guys, it's that time of year, okay? You know, sidebar. I work in lawn and landscape, okay? And uh, so that means I'm outside every day of the year, and I've been doing it for going on six, seven years now. I still have not gotten used. I still have not gotten used to the fucking allergens. In this, it doesn't matter. They kicks my ass every time. I'm just waiting for the day. My face swells up like I got fucking kicked in the face a bunch of times or whatever. I just, I'm waiting for that day to happen because it's happened every day for the last four years, so I'm a... Uh, Knocking on wood that that doesn't happen, but, you know, we'll see. But anyway, not many can say they have lived a life quite like Ronnie Wood has. He helped lay the groundwork for British hard rock with the Faces and the Jeff Beck group. He's also found success as a solo artist. 
a two-time inductee into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Repeat, a two-time inductee. Ronnie would only make the Rolling Stones even more legendary. But that wasn't who he always was. So who was he? Hey, right? You like how that was written? Guys, I'm not going to lie. I did the first couple pages like three weeks ago, and I put it down, and I haven't done it ever since. You know? I think... I should have done a band that doesn't have uh, quite as extensive as a music catalog as Rolling Stones first, because it was kind of disheartening at first. I was like, holy shit. Like, in order for me to do an hour, I'd have to write 20 pages of just reading material. I ain't doing that shit anymore. I'm just going to do the episode, and we'll do however long it takes to get through the information. God damn it, that's how long it's going to fucking be. And I don't want to hear any lip from anybody, okay? I've got a couple people that are harassing me. They won't leave me alone. And I'm telling you right now, cease and desist, all right? Moving forward, um, <laughs> Ron Wood was born June 1st, 1947 in Hillingdon, England, to a family of English water gypsies or bargies. I don't know why they would call him, but he's a, you know, he's obviously that means he's Egyptian. I know gypsies is technically, you know, you know, an offensive term, but hey, you know, we acknowledge everything on this podcast, okay? But, like, apparently his families were a couple of, like, you know, Egyptian refugees? I don't know. I don't know how you get explain them without calling them gypsies. I don't know. I'm not from Romania. I'm not fucking being mean about it. Anyway, he was one of three brothers. His father, Arthur Wood, was an amateur musician and helped spark an interest in music for Ron at a very young age. Now, see, that's nice. Isn't that nice to hear about? I mean, I read so many stories all the time about people having terrible shit. Like, the only reason they were successful is because how terrible their childhood was. And you know what? I've always said this, and, I've, and I'll continue to say it. The best success stories are from people that had terrible childhoods and lived through terrible trauma. I think those always are the best stories. Or it's very sad. Either go either way. His whole family was very artistic. That's artistic, okay? His two elder brothers were both musicians and graphic artists. Okay, kind of like, uh... Oh, uh... Charlie Watts, his father. Well, he was actually a graphic artist. Ron himself is an enthusiast at art and displayed his skills as early as three years old. Ron technically played his first gig with his father at the age of 10. His first show was at Uxbridge's Uxbridge's Regal Cinema with the original London Skiffle Group. That is a mouthful right there. And you know why you've never heard of the uh, original London Skiffle Group? Because they never made it anywhere. Because no one wanted to sign them because they're a terrible, terrible name. Moving forward. Ron was raised in Usley. See, I'm so, I cannot wait to get out of British bands, which is not going to happen for a while, unfortunately. So I'm going to have to suffer through many of these. And I know you're all like, hee hee hee, laughing at me with, with your headphones on. Well, guess what? Just think about it. You're just sitting in public randomly laughing like a fucking psycho. Okay? Everyone's looking at you like you got fucking mental problems, all right? Don't fucking laugh at me. Moving forward. Namely, uh, he was raised in Usley and studied at different schools, namely St. Stephen's Infant School, St. Matthew's Church of England, Primary School, and St. Martin's C of E Secondary Modern School. He would later attend Ealing College of Art in West London. Uh, I, I don't know. I guess you have to go to like 12 different academies as a kid, like in just different stages, and they all have such you know fancy names. Ron Wood would begin his official music career in 1964 with a band called The Birds, B-I-R-D-S. That is going to be very important going forward. I need you to stay with me because it's going to get complicated for the next page and a half because it's going to, there's a dispute with the name. He was the, and he joined The Birds as the guitar player. But mem- and mem- past members include Ali McKenzie, Tony Monroe... Kim Gardner, Bob Langham, Pete McDaniels, and Richard Berkwood. Starting out with a hard R&B sound. Hard. R&B sound. Hard R&B sound infused with Motown-style harmonies. Whew. Sounds beautiful. Which is good. Several members grew up in the same neighborhood in Newsley, West London, and began playing together in 1964 while teenagers. 
They first called themselves the Thunderbirds, playing local clubs at an and uh, playing local clubs at a neighborhood community center before playing a larger circuit. They were hired to play on the same bill as Chris Forlow's, whose backup band was also called the Thunderbirds. So they shortened their name to the Birds, which was a decision that would have serious ramifications. In the spring of 1965, L.A.-based band The Birds, B-Y-R-D-S, was dominating the U.K. singles charts when the was they were dominating the U.K. singles charts. And they're from L.A., which is kind of embarrassing, you fucking British assholes. When the Birds arrived in London, that's B-Y-R-D-S, for their first British tour, the Birds, B-I-R-D-S manager, Leo de Klerk, took legal action, which failed. So he tried to sue the Los Angeles-based Birds band for the rights to the name, and he failed. And basically that led to the B-I-R-D-S Birds uh, firing their manager and parting ways. And uh, not soon after... Ron Wood, in 1967, would join the Jeff Beck group as the bass guitarist. Because Ron Wood is a multi-talented like artist. You know what I mean? Like he plays many different instruments. He also is is a he work he works well with the ladies. All right, that's what I've that's what I've heard at least. But anyway, in 1967, he joined the Jeff Beck group as the bass guitar player. The Jeff Beck group was made up of Ron Wood, Rod Stewart. Jeff Beck and Ainsley Dunbar. Um, Rod, if you don't know who Rod Stewart is, I mean, I mean, come on, he's one of the like he's one of the best frontmen for rock ever. And Jeff Beck is one of the most legendary blues rock guitar players ever. I mean, like he was one of Hendrix's idols. He's been around for a long time. Him and Eric Clapton have a similar come up. Besides, Clapton was much more successful as a solo artist. But anyway, they both play in various groups. And they played together in a band at one point, I'm pretty sure. Ainsley Dunbar um, would actually go on to be the drummer with Greg Raleigh and Neil Sean after they left Santana to form what was Journey when Greg Raleigh playing keyboards. It was the original lead singer before Steve Perry took over after in their, during their, for their fourth album, I think. But Ainsley Dunbar, who was in the Jeff Beck group, um, he would go on to be the drummer for uh, Journey. See, all these bands fucking intertwine. I just brought up Journey and Santana while talking about the Jeff Beck group with Rod Stewart after Ron Wood left the Birds after fighting the Birds. You know what I mean? On a Rolling Stones episode. Look at that. You're learning a fucking lot. Don't ever say, don't ever say that I don't fucking do, put my heart and soul into these podcasts, okay? I know it's been over a month since my last solo one, but hey, don't forget to check out the War Room. Moving forward, this lineup consisting of Ron Wood. Rod Stewart and Jeff Beck spent most of 1967 playing the UK club circuit. Beck signed a personal management contract with (laughs) producer manager Mickey Moist. Sounds like a fucking porn star. Who had no interest in the group, only in Beck as a solo artist. How fucking crazy is that? You know what I mean? You're going to tell a band that has Jeff Beck, Rod Stewart, and... Ron Wood that you have no interest in Ron Wood, Ainsley Dunbar or Rod Stewart. You only want Jeff Beck. Like Jeff Beck all he does is play guitar. No no offense. But like what the fuck? I don't even know. Um and after a couple of years in the Jeff Beck group, Rod Stewart was about to leave to go solo and he was going to take Ron Ron Wood with him. And uh, he would act. They would, so they would go on to record Rod's first uh, full-length solo album, which was called "An Old Raincoat Won't Ever Let You Down." It's not bad, but the album name is. Um, you know what's cool? What's like cool is apparently the Jeff Beck group with that lineup was slotted to play at Woodstock, and they they disbanded like two weeks before, and Jeff Beck canceled the the spot altogether. Ron Wood, Rod Stewart. Ronnie Lane, Ian McLean, McLean, sorry, and Kenny Jones would form the band The Faces in 1969. This is a great rock and roll band that never really hit in the U.S. Um, they found great success in the U.K. and mainland Europe, though they never had a small. They, they only had a small cult following in the U.S., never really breaking through here. Um, I mean, that was common. 
Um, there wasn't a lot of bands that broke through in America besides the Beatles, the Rolling Stones. Zeppelin was just... I don't even know if they were had broke through there yet any, or either. Like, there just wasn't a lot. Um, the Faces were formed after lead singer-guitarist Steve Marriott left the former band Small Faces to form the band Humble Pie. Which Small Faces... Steve Marriott is... Oh, chef's... Ah, chef's kiss. He's fucking great. Okay? And... Thank God he left, in my opinion, because Humble Pie, out of all these bands we're talking about here, would go on to be the better band out of all of them, in my opinion. Like, Steve Marriott was a bad motherfucker, and Humble Pie is a kick-ass band. If I could uh, recommend an album, I'd recommend Eat It. It's fucking great. McLean Jones and Ronnie... Ronnie Lane, Kenny Jones, and Ian McLean were all former members of the Small Faces as well. They left to form the Faces, which is weird because you would think the Faces would come... Like, you know what I mean? The Small Faces would be the break-off band, not Faces. Anyway. But, uh... Rod Stewart's solo group and the Faces music went hand-in-hand as Rod actually signed a record deal as a solo artist to Mercury Records, so that caused a lot of conflict with uh, albums and, you know, touring. Like, it it was all about Rod Stewart, which I don't know if it was all him, but, I mean, it doesn't really matter at the time, I think, especially whenever you're on the road constantly and you're putting in just as much work and he's the only one getting credit. And also, as we'll go on to see... Um, anyway, Rod Stewart's solo group and the Faces music went hand-in-hand hand as Rod actually signed a record deal as a solo artist. During live shows, the set list consisted of mostly Rod's solo music, which would fuel tensions between the bands. So, like, it would kind of be like if Ozzy reunited with Black Sabbath after he left and they he, they only did music off Blizzard of Oz and Diary of a Madman. That wouldn't go over well with Bill Ward, Geezer Butler, and, uh... Tony Iommi. I don't think. I could be wrong. Those tensions came to a head during the recording of their fourth and final album, 1973's Ooh La La. Ronnie Lane, founding member, he was the founding member of the Small Faces, keep in mind, left over his role in the band diminishing. Wood started to drift from the group over this period as well releasing two solo albums and guest appearing on various albums including two Rolling Stones albums before permanently joining them in 1975. His debut album would be 1976's Black and Blue. So, this is where we're going to go over their albums um, that have Ron Wood in the band. Um, And I'm just going to kind of give a review over each one. Uh, let's just say this. 1976's uh, Black and Blue is... I'm not gonna lie, it's not my favorite Rolling Stones album. I love it. There's not a Rolling Stones album I don't like. There are albums that I prefer to listen to over others. And this one, it's it's a, it's it's honestly... It's, it's really cool. It's not typical Rolling Stones. Um, you can tell... That they were wanting to experiment again. And uh, the music they were about to start making was much happier. And like, you know, as Mick Jagger, he had moved to New York and had become, he he became obsessed with uh, disco and funk. And Keith Richards had spent time in Jamaica. They had all spent time, a lot of time in Jamaica recording. And uh, as you can, like, if you listen to Keith Richards' solo music, which is great, um... You can hear the Jamaican and like reggae music influence in their style. And this album is basically all of that. It's rock and roll infused with reggae, funk, and disco. It's fucking really good. Um, so, when during the recording of this album, to my knowledge, uh, because Mick Taylor left right before recording started, Keith Richards did most of the guitar work, and Ron Wood just basically came in and filled in with uh, some rhythm rhythm sections. So it's not a, like a huge debut for him, but uh, the groove on this album is so good. Like that's one thing that Ron Wood really put back in the band whenever he joined was just like it made him more groove oriented. It wasn't about time signatures and changes and 
and all these like where it was like they just brought the groove back and like that'd be, it'd be the whole song like you know um the song hot stuff which i'm gonna play a couple songs from the album just to kind of give you guys an, an idea but um you know the song um sorry the song hot stuff is a great it was their it was their first uh song to make the r&b chart since 19th nervous breakdown um 10 years earlier made sense not since their early albums had they sounded so connected you know what i mean but like uh some people, a lot of, like, and I will say, like, that's just my critique of the album. I think it's great. Um, well, I guess I'll play a few songs, but, like, a lot of people didn't like it. They, a lot of people say it's a meaningless album. But, I mean, I mean, I think it's a compliment. You know what I mean? Um, but the band had been so proactive in politics and making politically, you know, driven music. And pissing people off and fucking doing drugs and having sex and God knows how many fucking illegitimate children these guys had during the 60s and 70s. So you know what? Fuck it. They did a little fun a little fun album. What the fuck is it to you? Why do you care? Lester Bangs, this fucking guy. Piece of shit. I mean, like, if you listen, listen to It's Only Rock and Roll and then go to Black and Blue, it's such like a tempo change, like, in, in, in like, you know, in the way it makes you feel, you know? It's really, um, I don't know, I think the album's a lot of fun, personally. Um, but fuck it, let's listen to a couple songs here. Uh, this, uh, the first song on the album, and probably the most popular, it's called Hot Stuff. Uh, you can really see the influence of disco and R&B on this song. Take a listen. you i love jam music i love jam bands and you can really uh like you can just just the little things that they're doing in the back with the rhythm section just barely like just the fucking different percussion instruments that they brought in the groove they're not doing nothing crazy they found a groove and they're just fucking playing it laying it down Yeah, that's that's definitely one of my favorite songs on the album. Um, uh, another like, like you know what I mean, like, and that was become the theme going forward for them, with how their music would be made and the way they would go about it. Like they still do their blues stuff and they still have the rolling. Like you know, it's very the music they ha they're making like going forward is very, it's just the most pure form of the Rolling Stones I could think of. And they, they stripped down a little bit. They're not... They stripped down, which was is sometimes really good. Um, I mean, like, uh, listen to this. This is a, this song's called Cherry O' oh Baby. This, this kind of... Cherry O' oh Baby. This is kind of like showing their reggae influence. A lot. This is what a lot of Keith Richards solo music sounds like. You can definitely tell from an album, from a song like that, that you could just, you could see the influence that the island had on them. 
you know, because they, like I said, they spent a lot of time in Kingston um, recording there because they loved it. I mean, being tagged like Exiles, like Tags Exiles, um, they loved being in in Jamaica. They loved it. It was. Um, I don't know what it is about white British people going to Jamaica and like, you know, that's how Bob Marley was made. Technically, a white British guy from London showed up, fucking banged one of the locals, and then out comes Bob Marley. Fucking kind of the same with the Rolling Stones. They show up and they just fucking, I don't know. I like it. Some people might not, you know, whatever. But like, uh,. Let's let's listen to this. This is kind of a more classic Rolling Stones one. This is a uh, this song. This song's called "Fool to Cry." It was one of the more well received songs, and it's a ballad. It's a classic Stones ballad. Just give it a listen. I love when Keith Richards uses the flange. That's what makes it like it's. I love that sound. He uses it really well. And a little B3 organ. See, isn't this nice? Instead of me just reading a bunch of facts to you, we're just gonna sit and listen to music together, baby. Sorry, the mic was off. That's just classic stones. This is great. Mm. Mm. Oh man, I might have to give that a listen whenever I'm done doing this episode. But uh but yeah, that's uh, that's a few songs off of the uh, Black and Blue album. Um, that came out in 1976, and so we'll move on to the next one. Um, I mean, Jesus Christ. I, I don't know if you listened to the song I played at the beginning. Um, this album's called Some Girls. But, like, that that's also the name of the song. But this is arguably top three of their best albums. It's one of my favorites. It was my favorite for a long time. But, like, this album... Oh, I mean, like they this shot them back into the atmosphere. I mean, this band's already been around for almost twenty years at this point, and there's so many. Like it's 1978 at this point, so like they're the best of the best. The bands out there, they're there. Um, I mean, they were playing with Leonard Skinner and everything at one point, but like, they just. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, this album just it gives it gave the Rolling Stones so much life, and it was kind of like a return to form. Honestly, like it wasn't as experimental. They took a lot from the last. You can tell that they took everything that they had made and learned, and put it into this album. We're gonna listen to a few songs off of this as well. Um, this album has so much attitude. You know, fuck it. Let's listen to a couple songs. Uh, so the f- song we started off with was called Some Girls. Um, well, let's listen to the probably the most famous song off of the album, The Beast of Burden. This is one of my favorite songs of all time. And also, in my opinion, this album probably has some of Keith's best guitar work on it. I don't care if you've heard it a hundred times. Listen a hundred more, cocksucker. Oh, and it always hits. Honestly, this is the funnest way of doing the podcast right here. Oh, 
Ronwin and Heath Richards complement themselves really, like, so well. Like, I worked at this grocery store with Trevor and my dad back in the day, and, oh boy, that song played every fucking day. And let me tell you something right now, it was my favorite song that would play, that in Hotel California. But, like, Beast of Burden is like, I don't care, it's a classic rock radio standard, but for a reason. Like, some songs are like that for a reason, you gotta hear it. Um... And here's another song that really re-showed off their uh, their newfound love for disco, uh, Miss You. This song honestly made me a huge Rolling Stones fan, to be quite honest. Whenever they play this song, Mick Jagger actually plays guitar too. He's a fucking talented little bastard too, isn't he? Like, I remember the day, December 15th, I swear to God, December 15th, 2020, I was at work, I was kind of in a shitty mood, and I just kind of, like, started listening to the Rolling Stones, and I so I put a a huge playlist of theirs, I had every song they'd ever made, I, I do that all the time, I find a band that I like, and I make a playlist that has every single one of their songs ever in chronological order, and I was listening to this album. And this, or, oh, no, sorry. I was listening to that playlist, and, um, the, that song, Miss You, came on, at, like, randomly. And I was just like, oh, holy shit, what the fuck is that? And I remember going home, and I watched this, uh, documentary that you should check out. I can't quite remember the name of it, but it's the Rolling Stones, it's about them, Playing, uh, touring in South America and then being the first rock and roll band to ever play in Cuba, which they did that in the last six years, I think. It's really, really good. And I remember watching a live version of this, and you just see little five foot six fucking Cubans crying, grown men with mustaches just crying, listening to this song play, and they all got fucking Rolling Stones, so they all got the fucking the glowing red lips and everything. It's incredible. But, like, that song right there, it made me such a huge fan. Cause like, they're so versatile. Speaking of, um, the Rolling Stones, like, if, you have, if you've been listening along, you might notice, like, they always do some, a lot of country-influenced music. They really like country blues, particularly, but, like, they really enjoy it. Uh, listen to this. This is a very interesting Rolling Stones song. This also made me a very huge fan. do country better than other they're not even they're just fucking around and they're better than like real country singers that i don't like <laughs> but yeah like that that was just another return to their country roots and like you know it's it's oh man it's just it's so good so the next album which that so that album is called Some Girls. Duh, don't forget to check that out. Um, this next album called Emotional Rescue was really it was seen as like a uh, 
it was like a quickie a quick sequel to some girls um it has the same disco tilt strutting attitude and if you really it's got a lot more to cut in common with black and blue probably but uh let's check out this, let's check out this song it's called dance part one and let's see what you think off of emotional rescue Ooh, that baseline. First fucking song on the album. They always fucking start off like that. God, Mick Jagger's the greatest frontman ever. listen to this fucking album whenever we're done. I haven't listened to this very much. Um, guys, just like the way that they're able to fuse music and create, their, make it their own is like it's so good. Um, let's check out this girl. Uh, oh, sorry, this girl. This song, it's called Indian Girl. Like It would kind of just show a flash to the more roots rock form of music they would make later into the 90s. Let's check it out. God, this is beautiful. I'm crying. I'm crying, everybody at home. Kind of sounds kind of like Angie, like that kind of vibe, you know what I mean? They can do it all, man. Like, that's what I'm like. That's another reason why I'm really like, I love doing this fucking, this series over them because, like, they're so diverse. And they just, they they have so much fucking music, and all of it's different. Nothing's, they're never the same. Now, moving forward to the next album. We're in 1981, everybody. The Rolling Stones are one year away in 19, from eight, from being a 20-year, like, seasoned vet band. And they're just, they're fucking still rolling. So... Their next album, which was which, which probably one of their most, like, commercially successful albums they put out, Tattoo You, came out in 1981. They just remastered it for the 40-year uh, anniversary. Fucking 40 years, Jesus Christ, it's been 40 years. Um, think about it, 40 years ago, this year, the Rolling Stones were celebrating their 20th year in their music. Now they're celebrating their 60th year, everybody. Jesus Christ, what are you doing with your life? This song is like if like where I'm about to play is like a, it's like a staple in my family. Like I don't care. It's another one of those like it doesn't matter if you've heard it like a million times. What's funny about that song is, like, I used to make fun of it because I, uh, I thought it was goofy, and I thought the, and the music video is really goofy. The one thing I do not like about the Rolling Stones is their goofy-ass fucking 1980s music videos, okay? I am not a fan, but the music's good. This one is actually a song that I, I uh, found by listening to Bill Burr talk about one of his favorite songs, and this is more of, like, a 
It's not an instrumental, but it's more of a jam piece, which is just my favorite. Check this out. That song's called Slave. Um, oh man, it's about a six-minute song, and that's—I mean, like the groove never stops, man. That—that's that's by far one of my favorite fucking Rolling Stone songs, and it's just fun to listen to. They're a really good jam band. Um, moving forward. Uh, we're coming at the 45-minute mark. We're gonna, we're gonna run through these, okay? Play. We'll do one song from each of these, okay? You got places to be. I so do I. So we're in 1983 now, and the Rolling Stones, believe it or not, are just now getting to the point where they're like fucking having infighting. The relationships are straining. I mean, like they've almost been together in this lineup for 10 years now. At this point, I think it's actually. Six years, sorry. Um, so it's not. But, um... And MTV was coming up on them, you know what I mean? That's why I was talking about, like... Them making the worst music videos by trying to stay up to date. I mean, like... Keith Richards never stopped making good riffs. But Mick Jagger was making them wear, like, all these colorful... Which they always dressed, like, weird. But, like, they had some style to the 80s. I don't want to sound like I'm shitting on them. But, like, I just hated the way they dressed... And so, this album, um, it was a, it wasn't, didn't have bite. It didn't have the bite that a lot of their other albums had. This, like, uh, they still had classic, uh, you know, classic sounding Rolling Stones songs on this album, which is a good album, but, like, they, like, what they did with, like, a lot of older rock bands in the 80s, they put some keyboards in, which is always, we're gonna be a common fucking theme of something that pisses me off going forward, but, uh, let's take a look, um, here's a song that's, like, it's called, uh, She Was Hot, and, um, it's, like, kind of more of a classic sound, so this is just showing you that they're still throwing it down in the fucking 80s, okay? It's cool getting to hear them with like better production quality. So like you know they they're still doing that, but like check out this song, which is like it's dance music. I mean it's this called Undercover of the Night. It's like dance floor music. This is the fucking Rolling Stones. Either love it or hate it. This either makes them even better than like what you think, or you think a little less of them. I fucking love it. like i'm not gonna lie i bet a lot of diehard fans fucking hated them whenever they did that but you know what i like it i love dance music like that i like music that sounds like you could do cocaine to it you know because that music usually has a lot more person it sounds more fun like you can't have like 
you, like, you know, I'm not advocating the use of cocaine, obviously. I'm saying that, like, you know, metaphorically, I think, uh, you know, it's impossible to have bad thoughts or feelings when you're listening to that kind of music. You know, that's just me. But, uh, and so, look, there's six more albums left in their catalog, but let's just say the significance of them, like, there's this, it's, it just, it just proves how great of a band they truly are. I mean, their most recent album, which is a blues covers album, which if I could recommend it, I totally would. Um, it's called Blue and Lonesome. They put it out in 2016. Um, their last album that they put out that was just like, you know, it was just kind of like, it was brought back to the like it was the it was the last Rolling Stones album that they put out in their catalog that like had just like all original content and um, you know it had it was them I mean like we're gonna listen to it but like we're gonna go back first um, so the next album which would also be the last album that Bill Wyman would play in like to this day um, it's called Dirty Work and it has one of my favorite early morning songs ever. It's called One Hit to the Body. Check this out. Like I said, this album would be... God, what a fucking kick-ass song. That album would actually be um, their last album with bassist, longtime bassist Bill Wyman. Um, moving next. Uh, so the band took like a three-year hiatus like from everything. Uh, they took a break after Bill left. And um, everybody thought they were done. Because, I mean, like I said, they've been doing it for over 20 years. Like... They, I mean, they weren't that old. I mean, but, like, they were getting there. And, uh... But, like, just, like, at the fucking flip of a hat, they were right back there in the, on a world tour with a new album about to come out. And, like, so, let's check this out. Fucking, like I said, good. you can judge a good album by the first fucking song that they're gonna throw at you. And, you know, the Rolling Stones always throw the best. It's called Sad, Sad, Sad. I mean, it's like, if anything, all the music that I'm showing you is just, like, it just should give you more initiative to go and check them out and, like, really get into their music, like, on your own because it's it's incredible and it's music that you gotta hear, okay? You have to hear it. What are you gonna do? Like, not fucking listen to it, you know what I mean? But anyway, um, everybody, that's probably gonna do it for uh, the Ark of Rock episode three of over the rolling stones this will be the final episode over the rolling stones um i've covered as much as i care to at this point um i feel like i'm beating it in your brain um i don't have a way to end the story because the story hasn't ended yet um i'm just brought you up to date on the things that you're missing out on um they're an incredible band i can't undersell and if you have a chance to go see them while they're still with us, I, I highly recommend you do because, I mean, they're not going to be around forever. 
So that's kind of the reason why I'm leaving this door semi open because there's no ending yet. They're they're still on the fucking road. They're still doing it after all these years, sixty fucking years, and they're still doing it. But anyway, um, everybody, thank you. Uh, I hope you enjoy the episode. Um, I'm gonna leave y'all with uh, with some music while I go. Don't forget. Which I gotta get ready to record another fucking podcast here in a little bit. I'm doing the War Room episode 12. Check out both, like, subscribe, follow, share, put in your ass. Listen to both of these podcasts. Please share them with your friends. Hopefully we'll have some uh, Killing Time production stickers soon to give out to people. Um, thank you for listening, everybody. And, uh, oh, yes, also, my next series will be over. I'm gonna do Cream next. Um, I can't wait. It'll be a nice, easy... I'm, I might be able to do it all in one episode. Um, I might do it in two. But the point is I can do a lot more research faster and kind of get back into the habit of it, you know. After spending the last two months researching and listening and, you know, documenting stuff about the Rolling Stones. So, and it's been a lot of fun. Um, I might not listen to them for a while. Just because I'm just kidding. But yes, no, Cream was is going to be the next band so be looking out for that it'll uh will it'll update you whenever the episode released like i said i'm no longer gonna try and put these on a time constraint or a time schedule so anyway um ladies and gentlemen just thank you for supporting my my little podcast network okay i mean it, it means a lot uh Killing Time Productions has been something that I've been trying to fucking, like, put in... Like, it took me forever to put a name to. But, like, I never thought that I would be, like, even doing what I'm doing now. Which, it might not be much to a lot, but it's fucking the world to me. You know what I mean? But anyway, uh, that's gonna do it for me here tonight. Uh, check out the next episode. Next episode will come out within the next week. How about that? Maybe two. Um, the Ark of Rock is going to be back on a regular schedule Tuesdays and Saturdays. So if I can make sure you're paying attention to that, there's a lot of big things coming forward. We'll have announcements, fucking everything. And, uh, soon, uh, a new podcast shall be joining the, uh, network, um, hosted by Mr. Trevor True yourself. So don't forget to check that out whenever more comes out on that. Anyway, thank you everybody. I hope you all have a great rest of your week. And we will see you next time on The Ark of Rock. Thank you.